Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, good evening. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Oh, man, it's hard to believe that this is our last night together. Uh, does that make anyone sad? Yeah, no, not really. Um, makes me a little bit sad. I'm going to go back. There we go. Um, I'm going to take a moment and just read some of these things. Um, I'm not going to read them out loud because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I just want to see some of what you guys wrote down on these mosaic pieces. Now, I think this is a beautiful picture of what we've been talking about this week. I want to read something to you. It's not in my notes tonight, but after seeing this mosaic, I think it's important that you see how this plays out in God's grand plan. You know, in John chapter 17, the night before Jesus died, uh, Jesus was about to go to the cross, uh, like, uh, like uh, Sparrow was talking about. Uh, he was about to go, to go to the cross, and he did something. He was, uh, the night before he went to the cross, he was having a conversation with his closest friends. And he said, he said this. He said, I'm praying, like Jesus is praying to the Father, to his Father. I am praying not only for these disciples that you gave me, like the 12 disciples and those who believe in him then, 2,000 years ago. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message about me. You know what that means? Does anyone know what that means? Can someone tell me what that means? Let me read it to you one more time, and maybe somebody can tell me. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message about me. What is Jesus saying? Yes, if we believe in him. But what did Jesus pray for? Jesus prayed for you. Like this, this is the only place in the New Testament that we can see specifically that Jesus not only prayed for the people that, that he encountered while he was physically alive, we know he's still alive, but while he was physically walking in his human form on earth, he prayed for lots of people. But here in, the, here in, John, in John 17, we have an example of Jesus praying for all those who would eventually believe in him, which means Jesus prayed for who? For us. He prayed for you, and he prayed for me. And what did he pray for exactly? Look at this. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. He was talking to his father. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us, so that the world, see, we want the world to see beauty from ashes, the cross of Jesus, so that the world will believe that you sent me. This is a beautiful picture of unity. See, God takes your mess, 
and my mess and your mess and Herc's mess and Sparrow's mess and, and Bread Eye's mess. He takes all of our messes and he creates this beautiful mosaic that becomes a message to the world. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And you know what the best expression of unity is? The best expression of unity is love. The best expression of what Jesus did to unify us with God and us with each other is love. How is the world, those, the, 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 the people who don't believe yet, the people who are still living in ashes, how are they supposed to know Jesus? How are they ever supposed to be, come to believe in Jesus? What are they supposed to see? Our love for one another. In fact, Jesus said, the world will know you are my followers. In other words, the world will know that you love me if you love one another. So, so maybe a question that you should think about tonight is, how well do you love others? How well do you love others? In Isaiah, we've been reading this all week long. I just want to focus on verse 3. If you guys can go there up on the screen. Just verse 3 of Isaiah 61. If you can read the latter part of it with me. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Everyone say, display his splendor. The splendor of God is his essence, is who he is. So, so what, what this verse is telling us is that God has planted us so that we could display or reveal who he really is. The Bible tells us who God really is. It tells us exactly what God is like. In 1 John, the Bible tells us that God is what? Does anyone know? Counselors help me out. God is, God is love. That's who God is. He encapsulates love. He is the essence of love. God is love. When he plants us as oaks of righteousness, we are supposed to display what? Love, right? I'm, le I'm leading you here. You guys got to help me out. We're supposed to be displays of God's love. I want you, you know, I, I, before I go too far, I, I, just, I need to call, call out some campers because there are some campers here this week that have done an exceptional job at just displaying the character of God. Uh, Madison, she came up, where's Madison? She came up to me and she made this, she made this cross for me. Like, it's just a little cross, you know? Like you, you, you don't, like, you don't have to do this for somebody. Madison didn't have to make this for me. I kind of, it's been in my pocket, so I need to tie that up a little bit better. But, 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 but just an act of kindness like that is an expression of what? It's an expression of love. Um, was anyone else impressed by Sam's spoken word this morning? You know, when, when, when you use, yeah, that's incredible. 
Scrappy, Scrappy sent it to me, sent it to my phone, and I've been playing it for everybody all day long. When you use the gifts that God has given you, you are expressing and displaying what? God's love. Because it's not your gift. Sam, I love you. But that's not you. That's God shining in you and through you to benefit everybody else. God doesn't give you, you know, athletic ability for you. He gives it so that you can have a platform to impact other people. You know, counselors, like God hasn't given your counselors gifts, you know, for them. And, and by the way, if, if counselors wanted to make money, they wouldn't be at River Valley Ranch. Like, can I get a witness up in here? Right, yeah, exactly. Like, li listen, like that, they're here as an expression of God's love. And, and it's not that we always get it right. In fact, I got to be honest with you. I did something bad tonight. I did. I, I did. I did something stupid that I shouldn't have done, and I regret doing it. My wife looked at me as soon as I did it, and she was like, that was stupid. And I knew it was. I ate broccoli at dinner. And I'm, yeah, and here's why it's stupid, because I'm allergic to broccoli. But broccoli is also my favorite vegetable. No, 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 no. But you don't understand. Like, I, I, I am sick right now. I am sick right now. My throat has been swelling up. I've been uh, using essential oils for the last two hours trying to get my throat to not close up on me. I thought I could handle it. You know, I, I, I use peppermint and lemon because that's what the voodoo witch doctor said would, would prevent this allergy from happening. And let me tell you, it's not working. <laughs> I don't know what they said. but Barbecue sauce. All right, I'll try that. Anyhow... Anyhow, that was a dumb thing to do, but, but, but I, I went, I, I did it because what? Because why? Because I liked it. And some of you made a decision for Christ last night, and you're going to do some stupid things because you like them, because you might even think or convince yourself that you can handle it, or it's really not going to affect me all that much. The truth is, though, and here's where I want to encourage you. This is why I'm telling this story. Maybe God made me eat this broccoli so I could be a living illustration, and I don't know. Maybe I was just dumb. But here's where I want to encourage you. When you do something dumb like that, and you will, some of you are going to do something dumb tomorrow night. As soon as you get home, you're going to slap your sister in the face, or you're going to do something dumb like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just telling you, I've been there. You're, you're going to have a great week. You're going to go home, and you're going to get in a fight with your parents. It's just going to happen. Scrappy, am I right? Like, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And, and when it happens, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's going he's to start lying to you again. And, he, and he's going to tell you, see, it wasn't real. Your experience at camp wasn't real. You didn't really mean what you said about Jesus. You don't really love Jesus. But Jesus is bigger than that. Do you believe that? 
He's, he's bigger than this enemy that's lurking around the world trying to destroy us. In fact, Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when you do something stupid, when you do something dumb tomorrow night when you get back home, what I want you to remember is that God loves you, that Jesus loves you, and you are his forever. In John chapter 3, what we read We've read it a few times this week, but if you read through it yourself when you go home, it talks about having a new birth, right? When you're, when, when you're, when you're born, you can't be what? You can't be unborn. Like when you're born, you're born. And, and when you receive a spiritual new birth, you are a child of the king. You're a child of the king. You are his, and he is yours for eternity. The question is, are you going to live a life that reflects your old nature off you off here, you know, in your in your in your sin by yourself isolated or are you going to live in community with your mess unified by the message of Jesus? That's going to be up to you. Is anybody with me? Good. What I want you to understand, man, I got three minutes, holy macaroni. Uh, Believing in Jesus isn't the destination. Like, it's not the end. Some of you, raise your hand if you made a decision for Christ last night. Just, you know, yeah, I know it takes some courage. Somebody, that's awesome. Let's give him a round of applause. That's incredible. You know, that's not the destination. That, that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of a lifelong journey of displaying the splendor of God's love. And I wanted to, to read a, a, a passage of scripture to you tonight, and I'm just not going to have time to do it. I got time? You got, I got time? Sparrow, do I have time? Gaga can wait. I, I need to... I need, I, I don't want to get in trouble by the, by the big wigs. Are we good? Okay. I'm getting a thumbs up. All right. Strap in. Here we go. I got three hours now. I'm just kidding. It's going to be quick. It's going to be quick. I want to read, read this from Luke chapter 10. A man comes to Jesus, and he was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. And by the way, Jesus was a Jewish man too, all right? Um, so this, and, and, and that, this is what's kind of sad about the story of Jesus, because Jesus came to his own people, and his own people rejected him. Like Jesus, a Jewish man, came to redeem the Jewish people. This is what Isaiah 61 is about. The, Israel, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people, God's kingdom. Jesus was the promised Messiah, the anointed one, to come to rescue his people. They rejected him. Good news is, Jesus didn't only come for them, but he came for who? Came for all of us. But this man comes to Jesus because the Jews were kind of a religious, they had this like religious elitism thing going on. They felt like they, a lot of them felt like they were better than other people because, um, you know, there was about 613 laws and they, they tried to, uh, to, to obey those laws outwardly. The problem was, you know, some of them actually did a pretty good job at obeying those 613 laws 
um, outwardly, but their hearts were a mess. Their hearts were far from Jesus. This man comes to Jesus in Luke 10, and he asked Jesus a question. He said, he said, he said Master or Rabbi or Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was trying to trick Jesus. And Jesus said, well, you, you know the law. Uh, you're, you're, you're a Pharisee. What does the law say? And he said, well, the law says, he's, and he actually used Jesus' own words, and he summed up the entire law in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're going to display God's splendor, you've got to get two things right. Love God and what? Love others, all right? But you got to get those two things right. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, okay? So, so he got that right. Jesus said, great answer. But, but the, the man, that's not really what he wanted to know. What he really wanted to know was, who do I actually have to love? Who do I actually have to love? And he said, he said Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story about a good Samaritan. Now, this is interesting because Jesus wasn't in Samaria. He could have told a story about a good Jew, and that would have made this Jew feel really good. But instead, he told a story about a Samaritan, and the Jews hated Samaritans. There was a lot of prejudice and a lot of racism that took place, kind of like today. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that doesn't make, that doesn't please God. That doesn't display God's splendor at all. And this is what Christ's point was. And so he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. See, Jerusalem, like, it, it, he was actually going north, but he was going down from this holy city, Jerusalem, to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. This is a priest. This, this was supposed to be God's man, a man of God. A priest sees this man half dead. And when he saw the man, he sees him laying half dead on the ground. And he steps and he passes by this half dead man. And by the way, this man that was half dead was a Jewish man. So, so, so they, were, they, were, uh, 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 they, they were both Jews, and he didn't even, he didn't even want to help his own brother. He, he, he passed by. And then he, Jesus said, so too, a Levite. This is another guy. This, this, is, like, this is like, you know, the, the, the equivalent of like a, a, an elder or leader in your local church. He came by, and he came to the place, and he saw him, and he sees this guy half dead, beaten, robbed, and he, he passes by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity or he had compassion on him. He went to him. And he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He used his own oil and his own wine to administer first aid to this guy. This, like, this was at great expense. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he told the innkeeper, look after this guy. And when, I'm, when I return, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra expense you might have. 
So we learn uh, at least five things from this story that I want to share with you tonight about the display of God's splendor. The first thing that, that comes out in this story is that the Samaritan took time to help this guy who needed help. Has someone ever taken the time to help you? Has someone ever taken the time out of their busy schedule to sit down and have a conversation with you? There were a lot of people in my life that did that, and I credit a lot of uh, why and who I am today to those people who displayed God's love to me by, simply by taking the time to, to be with me, to, to pray with me, to talk to me, to challenge me, to administer help to me when, when I needed it. I think it's safe to say that wherever the Samaritan was going, uh, he didn't make it. I mean, I mean he, he shows up at an inn, and he, he stays there with this man the, the entire night. His plans were severely altered the moment he set eyes on the helpless, beaten, naked man on the side of the road. The priest and the Levite, they didn't give this man the time of day. But the Samaritan, he took the time to help him. If you're going to display God's love when you go back home, maybe your parents, like, like, so, like some of you, I bet a lot of you have good parents, right? But I, I bet there are some of you whose, whose parents, you know, maybe, maybe they're not the best parents in the world. It's going to take time for you to be patient, for you to trust God, for, for you to, to pray for your parents, or maybe it's your siblings, or maybe it's a teacher, or maybe it's a friend at school. Or when you display God's love, it just takes time. Love, the second thing we learn is that love costs us something. You know, like I, I mentioned, your counselors, like, there, there are probably, you know, a thousand different things that your counselors could have chosen to do this summer. But they chose to come to camp. You don't come to camp to make money. You come to camp. You work at camp to make an impact. And that's why they're here. And I hope that there's not a single camper in this room that takes these counselors for granted. Because what they are doing is costing them something. For, for some of them, it's going to cost them uh, uh, the, the, the time to fill out a college application. And for some of them, it's going to cost them a, a job interview because they're too busy hanging out with you guys to interview for a job after they graduated college last, last semester. They're not gonna, maybe they're gonna, their, their, year, their next year is going to be put on hiatus because of this summer. Don't take them for granted. I hope when you leave tomorrow, you give, them, you give your counselors the biggest hugs imaginable and let them know just how much they've made a difference in your life because being here this summer has cost them something. When you're going to display the love of God, it costs you. It costs you time. It costs you money. It costs you your ego. It costs you pride. It's a big risk. You know, this Samaritan, when he stooped down to help this, uh, this, this man who was half dead, he took two major risks. The first risk that he took was kneeling down. And, you know, he's, he's on a treacherous road. These robbers who beat the man and left him half dead, they could have still been there. 
waiting for some idiot like the Samaritan to not be, pay attention, to kneel down and help. And you know, that happens when you're helping people, when you're serving other people, other people tend to take advantage of you. Does anyone know what that's like? Do you know who else was taken advantage of? And Jesus was. You know, being a Christian is, 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 is amazing. There's nothing I would rather be doing with my life than loving God. But it's hard and it's costly. And, and people, people take advantage of you. But it's worth it. This Samaritan man knew that this life was worth it. And so he knelt down. Second, like I said, he was a Samaritan. And the half-dead man was a Jew. Imagine this scenario. A Samaritan rolls into town, a Jewish town, with a half-dead Jew on his donkey. What do you think the assumption is going to be? That the Samaritan roughed him up. What is this Samaritan doing with the half-dead Jew on his donkey? But he took the risk because the man's life was worth it. This is what Jesus is trying to help this Jewish Pharisee to understand. We don't love when it benefits us. We love even if it doesn't benefit us. Because when we love, whether it benefits us or not, we are displaying what? God's splendor. Love is without prejudice. Everyone say without prejudice. You know, you know I grew up in a, in a home where um, my parents, uh, I, my, my brothers and I, we really didn't see uh, or, or notice the color of people's skins in, in our home. I mean, we had people live with us all the time. Black, red, yellow, white, you name it. People were always living with my family. And we loved it. My brothers and I, we have, we have brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, not biological brothers and sisters, but because my parents didn't allow the color of a person's skin to taint how we treated them or to taint how we looked at them. And I, and I grew up, and, I, and I, I thought like our society was getting beyond this. And then I started dating a black girl. And then I got engaged to a black girl. And then I married a black girl. And I, I applied for my first job at a church. In this, and, and I show up the first Wednesday night at this church. And this guy comes over to Martha and I. And he says, this ain't going to work. And I said, why not? He said, we've never had her kind here before. Love is without what? Prejudice. Love was without prejudice. Aren't you thankful that, that Jesus didn't just love the Jews? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful Jesus died for this little bald-headed white boy. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> so this Samaritan... He didn't care about this dude's ethnicity. This guy needed help. This guy needed love. This guy needed a display of what? Of God's splendor. And so Jesus asked the, the Pharisee, he said in verse 36, it's up here, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law, I love that. 
that Luke put that in, the, the expert in the law. He was the expert in the law, but he was not an expert in love, was he? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. You know, he couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He couldn't even bring himself to say it was the Samaritan that showed God's splendor. It was the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and what? You go and do the same thing. Jesus wants us to realize that not only does he love does he love everybody? But he wants us to love everybody as well. One of the things that amazes me and that I love about this story is, is that you know what love does? You know what love does? Love loves and leaves the result in God's hands. Love loves and it leaves the results in God's hands. Like this Samaritan man, he, he went to an inn and he trusted the innkeeper. He, like, he, he gave the innkeeper money and then he said, you do whatever you've got to do. I'll reimburse you when I come back. Like he could have said, hey, before you spend any more money, you send me a message and I'll let you know if it's okay. Did he do that? No, he said, you spend whatever it takes. Did that mean that that innkeeper could have taken advantage of the Samaritan? Absolutely. But the Samaritan was just loving the man who needed love and leaving what? He was leaving the results in God's hands. God was going to take care of him. See, God takes care of you when you trust him. When you do what's right, God will do right by you. He loves his children. He wants to do what's best for his children. But this man, he stopped, he helped to heal the wound of a Jewish man and we don't really know what happened to this guy who was, who was beaten and left half dead. But we do know that this Samaritan became a shining example of how Jesus wants each of us to love others. The Samaritan shows us how to display God's splendor. It's by putting on compassion. When you go back home, I want you to put on compassion. Everyone say compassion. When you see somebody in need, meet the need. Like you, like, like Jesus is assigning you and, and he's giving you the ability to be his hands and feet to people who need him. Put on kindness, put on mercy, put on grace, put on selflessness, put on humility, put on patience, put on forgiveness, put on love. Those character qualities are the display of what? of God's splendor. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.